Please listen closely to the following safety information. A motorcycle rider you know, Rikajui, Rico, may have been in an accident. It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located. Here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Cloud Pipes, episode 43. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rich Warfield, fresh off of a wonderful lunchtime ride where I fixed my deuce once and for all. He's Rico Hogan, and I know he's riding out in the promised land. How are you, brother? Doing good tonight, my friend, and hell yeah, I've been out riding my big baby. I figured you've been riding right up to the buzzer, right up till showtime. Oh, yeah. I was out yesterday. I did about 80 miles, and today I did about uh, 40 miles, but I did. I forgot to turn on eSleep Ride, so I didn't get a chance to record it. No credit. No credit. Oh, no man. No credit. Yep. I got home. I was like, ah, oh, I didn't turn it on. So, oh, well. Rough. It is. All right. Also, our technical director, a little bit to my east, Mr. John Merkel. How are you? Doing okay tonight. And yourselves? You know, got off my belly all nice and full from taking the wife out to Ted Montana's for a good old hamburger tonight. Very nice. Like a post-anniversary dinner? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no I got home and she didn't want to have what we had for leftovers, so she wanted to go out to get something to eat. So we went out to Ted's and... It's a pretty cool place if you ever uh, have one around you. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, they're not too many. They're far, far in between. It's uh, Ted Turner that owns, uh, you know, I know Atlanta Braves. He used to, maybe still does. I don't know off the top of my head. That's who owns the uh, restaurants. All right. Well, speaking of Ted, we'll go ahead and bring in our special guest for tonight. We are going to kick off our sort of our long ride planning series, and this will be part one. Not sure how many parts there will be, but uh, part one, we're going to focus on uh, ride preparation. So things like getting yourself the bike, uh, ride route planning, and things like that. Uh, we're going to focus on some of that for this episode, and then our next show will be all about the destination, and we'll also be drawing our, our uh, Loud Pipes t-shirt winner at that episode as well. So if you've been listening lately or you've been following us on Facebook, you'll know that I joined the Motorcycle Men a couple days ago, called into their podcast, and Ted, who's the host of that, was kind enough to join us tonight. So, Ted, welcome. Good evening, Spitball. Spitball, yes. (laughs) He's coined a new nickname for me. (laughs) How you doing, Rich? Doing well, doing well. Now, I'm assuming you rode today. It's it's not snowing anymore in the Northeast? Absolutely. I, I've been getting in my daily 16 miles for my commute. Very nice, very nice. Well, I took your advice. I got out and, and forced a ride today since I work from home, so I so, did a lunch so, ride. So you drove to work today on the bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I commuted and had a lunch ride. <laughs> you rode to get pizza burger today but yeah a oh, burger today oh yep. yeah working on that girlish figure are you i certainly am yep my favorite shape round, round. <laughs> <laughs> soft and squishy in the middle that's right so before we get too far um we'll, we'll have ted go first on the beer segment are you drinking anything up there in new jersey 
Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. And um, I am drinking probably the most unmotorcycle guy kind of drink <laughs> you could possibly imagine. Oh, um, are you ready? Does it compete with Rico? I've got my seatbelt on. I don't know. I, re- I really don't know what uh, Rico's uh, non-motorcycle kind of guy drink is. But um, <laughs> are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down. I'm all ears. Ready? Chocolate milk. <laughs> nice. I don't have any wine. So that's it. And is chocolate it spiked milk. or anything? <laughs> uh, I got a, a straw minute. in it. Did he say chocolate milk? <laughs> I did say chocolate milk. Oh, this is going to be a good show. Well, I will start the adult beverage section then because I have a hoppy blonde from New Belgium. Um, how tall is she? And this is a good one. Oh, let's see. Probably about, mm, about a foot, maybe. Ooh, really? Perfect. <laughs> Jeez. Rico, save me. Do you have a beverage? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, Please tell me it has an umbrella in it. I, I'm, I'm drinking tonight a uh, lazy. Come on. Okay. You've been drinking that many? <laughs> I'm waiting for the I'm too in comment. A lazy magnolia. I couldn't get that out for some reason. Uh, and it's a southern pecan ale. So I'm trying this out for the first night. So I'll let you guys know how she tastes. Very nice. Now, is it a somber beverage for you? Because I, I just learned before the show that you're a, a Prince fan. I, I am. So I had a drink uh, of Mescal, a shot of Mescal today when I heard that. And uh, just to pour out a little liquor for my buddy here. But, uh, yeah, it was sad, sad news. I, You know, about 11 o'clock this morning, I, I found out that my long-term, long-time favorite artist passed away at 57 years old. And uh, it was crushing because I expected him to live forever. Um, not, you <laughs> yeah, know, for, not, not forever, but, you know, at least till 80, 90 because the guy was, you know, he was conscious about what he ate. He was conscious about the environment. So it was kind of surprising that, you know, how he died. It was kind of, it's still mysterious to me. And I still think it's some foul play. Oh, conspiracy. It's a conspiracy, yeah. All right. Well, I've heard nothing other than just the the fact that he passed. So we'll uh, we'll let him rest on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, one quick, one quick uh, show note here. I do want to mention that we... We sort of started a second show, and it's not so much a show, but really more an add-on to Loud Pipes. So what we did, what we thought about is, I'm kind of a fan of sort of behind-the-scenes information. Like anytime I can, you know, sort of watch what the control room is doing, or just sort of see how things are are produced. That is is just fascinating to me. So what we're doing is we're going to have a new show called the Downshift, and essentially we're just going to let the recorder run at the end of Loud Pipes. Um, no, no planned duration. We just let it run until we're done for the evening and maybe 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes We're we're not really sure, but it'll just kind of be the casual chat between the three of us or four of us tonight. Cause Ted was lucky enough to join us as a guest. <laughs> so we'll, we'll record that and we will post it out for all of our patrons over on Patreon. So if you're a supporter, you have one out there already from episode 42. If you're not a supporter, check it out. All right, let's get into our new topics.
Now, it's pretty ironic um, timing, if you will, uh, joining Ted last night or two nights ago on the Motorcycle Men, and they were talking about long, sort of long-range planning and prep for, for big rides as well. So we've kind of had this series planned for a while, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to bring him in and sort of talk about what it takes to get ready for a long ride. And I'll sort of put a definition around it for me. I would consider a long ride anything where you're going to spend the majority of your day on the bike. So, I mean, we've certainly had plenty of days, Rico and I and Aaron and and the guys in this area, where we've been out all day, but not necessarily ridden all day, if you know what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) So I would say more like our trip out to the mountains a couple weeks ago, where, you know, ended up being a 350-mile day. That's that's more like a long ride. That's you know way beyond what I would do on a on a daily or weekly basis. So that requires a little bit more prep. So I thought it would be a good topic for the show. So before I get started, I'll just ask um, Ted real quick just to give us a little background on what he does. So obviously host of Motorcycle Men. I know you're the lead singer for a, a cover band that you guys do. Yep. And let's tell them uh, tell the listeners what you ride first of all. Uh, I am currently riding a 2003 100th anniversary uh, Harley Heritage Softail Classic. Very nice. Soft, soft bags on that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's all, you know, uh, black leather and studs here and there and uh, big fat spoke wheels. Very nice. She's pretty. <laughs> she is pretty. <laughs> you should see her dance. Does she have a name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. Sugar. Nice. And uh, just give us a quick quick primer on your show, you know, what you guys cover, what you talk about. I'm obviously you're you're a Harley guy. I know your brothers both ride Harleys, but yeah. what kind of stuff do you guys cover? Well, you know, like I said, we're mostly Harley guys, so a focus of our attention is mostly gonna be on cruising, on cruisers, uh uh we're all about the ride and we like to talk about the ride. And of course we do quite often get off track. Um I look for interesting topics for us to talk about the we're not so much about the adventure riding, although it does interest us. Um, okay. And that's pretty much it, really, without getting too kooky about it. Like I said, we do get off track a lot, but primarily it's mostly about the ride and just getting out there and riding. It's very nice. Yeah, I'm enjoying the segment that you guys are doing, the, the 50 states, 50 rides. That's, that's really cool. I really like doing that. It's a tremendous amount of research. I can tell. It is a tremendous amount of research. Uh, everybody likes it, uh, and it's it's going over really well. Uh, I, I try not to do it every episode uh, because it, then it takes away from all the other things we want to talk about. So I do it every now and then, like every other every other episode I'm doing. It. Very nice. Yeah, and I'll just put a little disclaimer out there. The show is explicit, so if you plan on <laughs> listening with your children yeah. around might not be the best idea. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a few comments about that. They, they they like the show but they can't listen to it in the car with the kids. Yeah, your your brothers have a good time, that's for sure. Yeah, at my expense most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well I will start off with the the long ride planning. So, I'll kind of give my first tip here. And for me, a long ride is really all about staying hydrated. Well, first of all, prehydrating, staying hydrated and getting enough rest. I'm I'm sort of a perpetual lack of sleep kind of person. I stay up way too late and obviously have to get up early with little kids and a job and things like that. So I run with a pretty heavy sleep debt as it is. So when I've got a big ride coming up, that's kind of the first thing I shift is make sure that I'm getting a good amount of rest, good quality rest. So when I hop on that bike, I'm I'm fresh and ready to go. 
And then the other half of that is really just hydration. So a couple of years ago, I wasn't so good on hydration, drank a lot of coffee, probably a little too much beer and not enough water, <laughs> which is a terrible combination if you're trying to stay hydrated. See, you should right. have some chocolate milk. That's what it is. Some, I put some chocolate milk in my saddlebags. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of my first tip. And, I, and I'll give a quick little experience and then we'll have Rico do one next. But uh, two years ago, I met up with my buddy Robert for a ride. And I'm not much of a planner, which we've talked about before. So I'm hoping John can help us here tonight. But yeah, I was la- you know low on sleep. Yep. What? What you want? Yeah, help. Low on hydration. And it really hit me about an hour or two into the ride. I just felt terrible. And, you know, despite having put down two or three bottles of water, it didn't matter. I was so far behind the curve that I was just in rough shape. I mean, really, really just felt terrible out on a bike. And of course it was hot. So I was losing probably more than I was putting in. And I got to say, it took me all day really to catch up and probably the next day to really get back to where I, I felt like I was a functioning human being and I was really far down the, the hydration chain. So, so proof that, you know, it does work if, if you do it properly. And I've certainly felt it where it's not done properly. So Mr. Hogan, what do you, what do you like to do before a long ride? Well, first, I like to make sure my bike is in proper proper working order before I set off on a nice long ride. So, you know, I'm checking the prior the tire pressure, checking my brakes, checking my fluids, uh, making sure all my lights work, um, all that, making sure my chain is nice and lubed. Um, uh, <laughs> if I'm on the R6, I was going to say, I'm the, on, if on I'm the on the you know, on the Indian, you know. I'll have to take it into service to make sure that belt's tightened because <laughs> I haven't gotten that far on, on, on tinkering with it yet. Nice. But uh, so after I've checked the bike, make sure that everything there is uh, in tip top shape, then I focus on me. So, you know, I've, I'm, I'm doing this a day or two before I, before the day of the ride. So okay. as far as I'm concerned, like you said, I'm getting sleep. I'll make sure that I'm hydrating. Um, I'm making sure that I'm not eating anything that's going to upset my stomach, any a- acidic food like pasta or anything like that. I try to stay away from, try to eat light. Uh, I want to make sure that I have all my proper riding gear. So uh, I'm checking the forecast, make sure if there's going to be spots where it may be kind of shady as far as rain, maybe, you know, cloudy area. So I'm making sure I have my rain suit or some kind of gear to kind of keep me protected, proper shoes. Um, make sure I've stretched really good, you know, so all these things taken, taken part. Um, if it's going to be hot that day, I'll make sure I have my, uh, vented jacket, my mm-hmm. padded vented jacket versus my full leather. So it depends on a couple different scenarios as far as what gear I'm going to wear. I already wear like the padded pants on the, the body armor and, um, chest armor and gloves and such. So, um, depending on what kind of ride I'm going to be doing, where there'd be a lot of twisties, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm well protected uh, because you never know. You might hit some gravel, some, some, some uh, grass shaving or something, you know, so you want to be prepared. So if any, if worse come to worse, you'll at least have some kind of protection on. So I'm always thinking of that. Um, a lot of my gear too, I know a lot of the Harley guys like to wear all black, but just yesterday, not yesterday, but the day before yesterday, we, me and the wife were out and it was kind of late. We're on the highway. And this guy in the Harley comes up 
you know, behind, so I, I automatically, I can hear a Harley because, you know, I, I, I listen for it. So, uh, <laughs> so I hear him coming. Yeah, yeah so I hear him coming, and I start to look, and I see his headlights. So he's got a single headlight, and you see the two um, uh, turning signal lights. So I was like, okay, great, but that's all you see. And when he he comes up in my blind spot, he, he gets beside me, and then the only thing you can see is the bike. So he has its orange, the orange Harley Davidson color. And um, that's it. He had the black leather. His wife had the black leather. They both had black helmets on, black gloves, black pants. So my thing is you want at night, especially you want to have some kind of reflective material on where it'd be just a strip, something on your helmet, some so, you know, you could be seen at night. So that's that's a concern I have for my Harley family riders, you know, my family riding family. Um yeah, if I said that right, uh, to make sure that if you're going to wear all black, to have some kind of reflective material on, especially at night. Yeah, I hear you. And I've the jacket that I have, I, I kind of purposely bought it that way. It's they've had some toward some sort of reflective material, but during the daytime, it doesn't look reflective. It's just a kind of a dark, smoky gray mm-hmm. for the lettering and stuff. But then at night, if headlights hit it, then it, it lights right up. So it's pretty cool. And I don't have anything on my helmet. I probably should get something for that though. Yeah. Now, let me ask you about the bike. So this is where you and I differ vastly because I I don't wrench much anymore. My bike goes to the shop. They do everything. So Mm -hmm. I know this is a misnomer, but I sort of assume the bike's good to go. And I just kind of do a nut and bolt check, like you said, the night before I go, just kind of look everything over. But if you're the kind of guy who's wrenching on the bike, do do you step back like a week or so and start going over the bike looking for things like do I need a tire? Cause I'm going to have to get it in. You know, I can't right. do that the night before I leave. So you yeah. kind of back that up about a week or so. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, you know, I'm checking for any kind of a nail or anything. So I check the whole tire, make sure there's no punctures uh, in the tire. Um, so I'm again, checking the, the tire pressure. So those are important things, especially on a Harley. So you might want to think about, so I, especially um, uh, I think I've learned this just be riding for so long. On, especially on the R6, I've learned this lesson a couple of times where the front end uh, had dropped dramatically. So normally I keep about uh, 28 to 30 foot right. pounds of pressure in the front in the front tire. And I got out on it one day and tried to make a turn. Hmm. It just wouldn't. It just kind of felt spongy. So I turned around and got back home and I had 18 pounds of pressure in the front tire. Ooh. And I haven't written a thing. So right there, that tells you, you, you have to check. And the same thing with the back tire, you know, if it feels a little squishy, unless you're doing wheelies, you know, a soft back tire isn't ideal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not what you want. Um, uh, but it, it's nice with, with the Indian, I get tire pressure, um, as soon as I turn it on. So as soon as it gets up to temperature, all the indicators start checking everything and I can, mm-hmm. I know exactly how much pressure I have in the front and in the back. So with that, I don't have to do anything and to tell me if I need, you know, pressure in either one so I can, you know, make those adjustments if needed. Cool. All right. Well, Ted, uh, you're heading out on a long trip soon. I know you guys have a couple of rides coming up and you would consider those long rides? Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we're, uh, of course we have our uh, high point ride coming up, which is going to be 250 miles. Uh, I, I, yep. Like you said, if you're going to be on the bike all day, that's a long ride. And we are going to be on the bike all day long. So will, just like you guys were saying, part of the preparation for a ride this uh, of any length, you want to, of course, you want to make sure that your bike is in fine working order. 
I always want to carry with me a tire repair kit and a pump of some sort. Because uh, that is like one of the things that if, right. you, if you get a puncture, you're you're done. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things that you actually can fix. So it's it's good to have some kind of tool. That's right. Right. Uh, there is a product out there called Cycle Pump, and it's uh it's available through Best Rest Products. It's like a hundred dollars. It's a uh, it's a pump that you actually connect to your uh, your power dongle on your uh, on your from your battery or directly to your battery, and it'll okay. actually pump up your tire. It's like a hundred dollars. For that something like that, um, I know some guys have used um, mm-hmm. what cyclists would call the CO two cartridges to, uh, you know, inflate their tires. That's kind of dangerous because that's sixty pounds right off the sixty to one hundred pounds right away, and you got to be careful with that. But I always carry with me, and a lot of guys, I don't know, a lot of guys don't do this, but I always carry a quart of oil with me. Yeah, not a bad idea at all time. Uh, and I also have a one liter gasoline bottle that I also carry with me. Wow, those Harleys need a lot of maintenance. <laughs> well, no. Easy now. I'll have you know that my bike does not vibrate at all, so I don't worry about things shaking off. Um, but as far as goes for uh, anything else, like I have a bag full of tools that I always carry with me because you never know. And zip ties. That's a very, very important thing to have is zip ties. Yeah, my, yeah, my tool kit for the bike is is pretty simple. It, it does start with the uh, roadside card. <laughs> that's the first thing that you have to have in the wallet <laughs> and then the second thing i have to make sure i have is is rico or john with me <laughs> there you go so are you calling rico and john tools no no yes that's in essence not he at is. all not at all more like helpful trip companions how about that that's what it is it's good but i tell you as far as it goes it, 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 a long ride preparation, I think one of the most important things, and you had mentioned it earlier, is actually your physical preparation. Yeah, I am a, an avid cyclist, so I do a lot of mountain biking, do a lot of road biking. And as a cyclist, one of the things that we always prepare for for long rides is our nutrition, first of all, and also our, our physical health. Um, I'm averaging between 50 to 100 miles a week on the bike. Uh, on the bicycle. Oh, nice. Uh, so, nice. Yeah. So uh, now my, in this, this is great for your, your lower body. It doesn't do much for your upper body. So, <laughs> so with, with that, I work on my upper body strength as well with resistance bands. Um, for those people who ride bikes with real high seat heights, now you have a high center of gravity. So with that, you're also going to want to have that upper body strength to handle that top heavy bike that you now have. Uh, one of the other things that, because we're cyclists, we wear this uh, compression clothing, and that helps maintain great flow of blood through your uh, muscles. It's uh, things like that. Um, it's 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 just important to eat properly. Uh, I carry camel uh, a camelback for my uh, for water, yeah, hydration for water. Uh, the one that That's I carry is heavy. Pro- no, actually, it's not um, a camel. It's not a, a camel. one or two humps. <laughs> Single humps probably not too bad. <laughs> Uh, I carry it. It's a 42 ounce uh, low profile camelback that I actually wear underneath my jacket. You don't even know I have it on. Uh, so I'm always drinking all the time. Well, you know, well, yeah, that's where, you know, <laughs> that's where I run into, yeah. that's where I run into uh-huh. trouble is because I might, I might put water on the bike with me, but I'm, I'm not using it except when I stop. So it's kind of like in, when a water in bursts, you stop, you drink half a bottle of water, you probably go into the bathroom and then you're back on the bike. So, you know, for me, it's more of a, a big bang approach to the water, and I probably should be taking it in, you know, over time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
See, this is where a camelback comes in handy because you have the tube that you can, if you have a full helmet on, you can still have the yeah. tube by the side of your mouth that you can use. Uh, I know you have a cup holder on your bike. No, I don't. I always have. <laughs> but I, I do. I do have. I do, I do have a cup holder on my bike and I always have something to drink there. It's, it's you know, one of the things you want to think about also is uh, have something to eat like cliff bars or uh, power bars or something like that. And you also worry about your electrolytes because you're going to end in potassium because you're going to get cramps and that's where bananas come in handy. So things like that, it's just, it's mostly about the proper nutrition and preparation that way. And a lot of guys forget about that. Now your cycling gear, the compression stuff, have you ever used that on a motorcycle? Yes, as a matter of fact, nice. I do. And you find it helps, the same kind of benefit? Absolutely. You know what? It just, and my bike is comfortable as it is anyway, and it only raises the comfort level even more. <laughs> nice. Okay. You know, uh, and a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of guys don't think about it is if you go to like performancebike.com, it's all bicycle related, but there are a lot of things in there that motorcyclists can use as well. Writing it down. That's okay, a good write one. Write it down. Check it out. Yeah, and I was reading that, that kind of my idea for this was really sort of spurred from a, a Bike Bandit article or, or a blog post, I guess it was. And, you know, they were talking about preparing your body for more like an iron butt ride. But, but yeah, to me, that it's the same kind of planning, whether you're doing an iron butt or just a long day ride. It just depends on when you start. Exactly. You know, if you're doing a single long day, you might start a day or two before versus if you're going to do a thousand miles in, in a day, like the... You know the the first iron butt uh, trophy that you get there. Yeah, that's thank you, saddle sore one thousand. You know, you maybe start weeks or months in advance, getting ready, conditioning and whatnot. I'm actually uh, preparing for that. I am going to do a saddle sore this summer. Yeah, nice. You're going to do that, huh? I am going to do it. Are you coming down to see us to Charlotte Uh, and back? I may, you know, if it's, if if it give me a thousand mile round trip, I'll do it. Got to get a witness. I'm just looking for, I'm part of the big preparation about this more than anything is planning the proper route. Mm -hmm. And that, that goes a long way. And that's where John helps us. He just goes crazy with the route planning. Would that be your tip, John? Yeah. I mean, it's nice to know where you go. Yeah. Kind of (laughs) planning. You know, it's nice to know where you're going to go and where you're going to stop. I, I guess that's kind of one of those things. I have thought about that a lot. And unlike you guys that can get on bikes and just go someplace, I can't. I have to kind of have a destination in place in mind. Hey John, how, John, how do you plan your route? Do you use a GPS or some sort of program on a computer? So, so what I did for like the barber trip, I use a website called uh, Furnot. It's F U R K O T. And it uses um, Google Maps, and you can plan your whole route and put stops in and to allow you to figure out where you're going to stop. And you can say how long you're going to stop, and it does a pretty good job. And then what you can do with it, there's an export utility on the site that lets you export it to, like, a Garmin. Oh, there you go. Because I think, if I remember correctly, you just have your Garmin that you got. You can, um, you know, take the file and move it to your Garmin, so then you have the route all planned out. Ah, there you go. And it, it was it was a big help. I mean, I I may sort I may come off like I'm just clowning him for it, but I'm just not a planner with that kind of stuff. And maybe it's more maybe it's more a personality thing of being a, a motorcycle rider. But I'm really more to just kind of say, well, I kind of think I want to get to I don't know Cleveland tomorrow, so I don't really think about it too much. I just kind of hop on the bike and point it in that direction. But when we went to Barber, John really had it mapped out. I mean, he had 
he had segmented stops for fuel, you know, for stretch, and then he had alternatives. It's like, okay, we can stop every hour, or every hundred miles, or whatever, and then he had alternatives in between if we needed to shorten it. And we all sort of knew every time we stopped the bike, we just said, hey, um, you know, the next stop is going to be forty miles. It's going to be at this exit. Boom, that's where we head to. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, I sort of took it one step at a time as we went, but it was really nice to have someone who planned out the entire trip from end to end. That was nice. Yeah, the only problem we had was, and lesson learned from ourselves, is not to go around Chattanooga. It was a nightmare going around Chattanooga. Unfortunately, the other thing I could say about planning is, you know, make sure everybody knows where you're going to end up, where's the next stop. Yeah, for separation. You know, right. For right. separation. I mean, we had that one problem on the other side of Chattanooga. You guys just took off, which was, you know, and I got left behind and, once I got out of traffic, I started pinging you guys, and you guys said you're off this exit, and I was about ready to go by the exit. So, yeah. Um, One of the things that I do uh, with group rides, uh, as you know, we're planning this, this ride that we're doing, uh, is just prior to the ride, before we take off, I give everybody a cue sheet, which is a turn by turn directions of the route. So, in the event we do get separated, everybody's going to know where they're going. Nice. Yeah, that's great for your group rides. Yeah, and I, I meant to ask you, so you kind of asked me on your show about GPS, so it sounds like you like to follow the GPS route, or are you more of the turn-by-turn? Uh, no, I do like to follow the GPS. The one that I actually bought, Live and Learn, I bought it off of eBay, <laughs> and it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, it doesn't work. So I, I went to the wife tonight, and I said, I, how would you feel about buying me an early birthday and Christmas present? <laughs> And um, go. she asked me what it was, and I told her, and she just kind of laughed. So I don't know if that's good or bad. She said, hell no. <laughs> no, I'll get it. You don't need that. <laughs> so on that, what you can use, um, a cool program on the phones is called a program called Copilot. Okay. Um, it's And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm not, I think Kevin from Throttle Podcast, he yeah. might have used it. I remember him saying something. It's What's kind of neat about it, it's... Um, has a offline mode as well, so you don't have to have it on your, you know, GPS going all the time, and you can use it on your device. Oh, okay. And, uh, so it's got it downloads the maps to your phone. So, I mean, you got to make sure you got space for the maps because they are kind of like about a geek in size with the maps. But you can uh, pull them down and use it as a offline GPS unit. So if you go someplace that doesn't have cell service, you can still have the maps. Yeah, generally, I don't like to use my phone for navigation. Um, that's like right. my emergency contact device, and I leave it there. Well, the other thing I'd probably say if you're going to plan it with today's technologies as well, and I know Rich has it and everything else, is have a little with today's technology, you know, go out and buy the little portable battery, extra battery packs you can get for your phone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that was one thing I really enjoyed with the Street Glide, and I know Rico has a couple of plugs in the Roadmaster, is I really enjoyed plugging in the phone to the you know to a usb port and tucking it away that was really handy oh yeah so yeah that's that's a nice feature especially have it right there at the dash yeah it's going to be those little things on the bagger that eventually put me in that direction because i i have to admit i am i missed the street glide i only rode it for one day but every subsequent ride i've taken on my deuce i miss it i'm like ah you know that street glide really was a damn nice bike yeah, 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 and I missed it too. So I know what you're going through after, especially after being on it for you know four hours. 
in Vegas. And just when I got back home and just riding the R6 at that point, I was just like, ah, I sure missed that street glide. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I sh- being on a sport bike for a long period of time, I know we kind of was circling back, but just the pressure on your wrist. So I kind of get what you're saying, Ted, as far as, you know, building up your strength as far as your arms and, and everything, because on a cross rocket, your wrist, if you're not riding it every day, and this is like your first big ride that you're riding for the year and you haven't got on your bike for a while, if you're going to jump on a sport bike um, and do a long ride, make sure you got a couple miles under your belt to build up your strength in your wrist because otherwise, yeah. oh my goodness, especially if it rains or gets cold, your wrists are aching. And normally I would just take a, um, like a sweatband or something or and wrap it around my wrist so I don't have that aching in my arms and wrist. But uh, that helps. But otherwise, man, you can really take a toll on your body that way. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I I kind of mentioned in the opening that I fixed the deuce today, Rico. <laughs> what what what'd you do? I basically got back to basics. I got back to the way I like to ride. Windshield. Took the windshield off. Windshield, gone. Half helmet, on. And I just, I was like perfectly dressed for today. It was about 80 degrees, uh, give or take. So I had my usual riding jacket, vents open, no gloves, but, you know, riding boots, riding pants. Rode around about 50 mile an hour. Fantastic. That's, yeah, but that's, that's, you're going to make Ted jealous with 80 degree weather. Shut up. Putting it in his face. They don't have that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ted, since you're talking about taking your uh, saddle store uh, ride, you know, get, I just did a little map for us real quick. Uh, you know, if we leave New Jersey around about October and come down to Barber, it's about it's a thousand miles to Alabama. A thousand miles so nice. to Alabama, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so get on your bike. We'll meet you there. So what you're suggesting is that I do two saddle stores in one weekend. Well, or you could so you, you could, could just do a quick turnaround and you could get the bun burner fifteen hundred on the way back. There you go. So you're just trying to eliminate the competition is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. never. Come on, you make it sound like I sit around and come up with strategy. <laughs> Good idea, John. <laughs> hey. Oh, that's funny. Agreed. So, th- is that what it is? A thousand miles from where? Where are you guys? Paramus? No, no. Actually, I am located in Brick, uh, New Jersey, which is in Ocean County, right on the Jersey Shore. Actually, I have what you call no me? idea where that is. I got to look. Just look at Brick, New Jersey. That's it. <laughs> it's a brick. I, I, I'll even give you the address to my house. You can look me up. <laughs> no, I just, just something. I I don't know much about the shore. I mean, it's great, right? I have family up around. And that's where we keep the ocean. That's where you keep the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. It's all mine. So, oh, one of the- so, so yeah, if you came uh, 95 down to 85, it's uh, 1,001 miles to Birmingham, Alabama. I see. I would take 95 and then get off onto 81. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take the truck route. Yep. Yeah. And that way is, uh, that's 952 miles. Man, you guys are killing me. You, Come on, man. You can do it. You can do listen, it. Listen, John's going, Come on, man. Meanwhile, he's sitting in his comfy air conditioned car. I know, right? He's just I hanging know, out. Right? Yeah, yeah. AC I'm keeping you guys tunes. all hydrated and carrying all the drinks and, you know. He had a car stash full of snacks. Tossing water too. bottles. Nice. Every time we stopped, he opened the trunk. He was like a snack pusher. It's like, look at all that stuff in there. 
Hey, I made sure you guys were all taken care of. <laughs> Drives by and throws Doritos at you. I know. It's like, oh, I you got know? hit in the forehead with a Twinkie. Eat something. <laughs> <laughs> we're not stopping here. Eat something. I, think- I mean, it helped you going through the mountains, though. That one lady going through the uh, the road there through the gorge there. She was all over my back end. Yeah. So. Yeah, you protected us from her. He was running pick. Yeah. I could see it, too. Like, mm-hmm. it was pretty scary, Ted. I look back and I see the roof of, a like, an F-150 basically over John's car. <laughs> like, she's really close. So all you saw was great. I could see her whole face through my rear view mirror. I'm just like, really? Back off. See, when somebody gets that close to me, I actually stick my arm out the window and I, I wave them off. Wow. If that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, I should That's show what you do in New Jersey. But in New Jersey, well, but right. down here we wave with the whole hand. Is that how you do it in Jersey? Uh, maybe. Hey, listen. When is Americade up there? What's that? When's Americade? Uh, that's, uh, that's June 7th through the 11th. We're going to be going up there the 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's Roadhog's weekend, Rico. No, nah, not well, not really. Believe it or not, there's a there are a tremendous, tremendous amount of Honda Goldwings. No, no, just meaning there's another ride we have here oh. called the Roadhogs. If you do, do you remember our roundtable? Yeah, yeah I remember, remember that. that yeah. That episode. yeah. The, so those guys, that's this will be the third iteration of that ride. Oh, but I think it's that same weekend. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're so right, but oh well. Next, next time. Next time, maybe. So, you guys got another tip, or you want to talk about a new Harley? I do have another tip. One thing you might want to get to avoid cramps in your throttle hand if you don't have cruise control is get a a cramp buster. I want one of these. Yes, you sent this to me. I have, I have that on my bike. I use it all the time. Never get a cramp. So, well, finally, that works. Fix Rich so he doesn't have to complain. Yeah, you're right. But basically, what it is is it's it's, it's friction. It just la- uh, wraps around the, uh, the throttle on the far right edge, and your the heel of your uh, palm rests on it. And basically, you don't really have to grip the okay. grip the uh, the hand grip. You just basically just rest your arm on it. Works. It works great. Yeah, that was another little detail of the street glide I missed. And of course, Rico has that. But the cruise control. I mean, I didn't use cruise control for the sake of having cruise control, but I just put it on long enough to drop the right arm, give it a little break, and then I shut it right back off. But even that was enough. That sold me right there. I was like, oh, definitely give him some cruise control. <laughs> yeah. It it helps. It does. And those brakes. Man, can I gush about this bike a little more? Go ahead. Man, oh, man. Are you going to go buy one, Rich? I need a, like a third job, I guess. Yeah. Well, you, Maybe, well, is this one going to be in your den? Right. Yeah. 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 The basement's been consumed by the podcast, so my third job will have to be in the in the den. Too funny. Mrs. might not like that. I don't think so. She'll she'll be fine. She'll be fine. So what's what's twenty four thousand among friends, right? Right. <laughs> Easy peasy. Well, I've got one more kind of mini mini tip, but I think we've pretty much covered it, but this is kind of from the voice of experience too. And that is plan a realistic route. And I had this over the summer. John knows cause I, <laughs> I leave John's house bound yes. for Northeast Pennsylvania and I'm going to go in a day 
bound determined going in a day. And I think I made it about halfway by sundown. <laughs> Not even yeah, close. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you, it was, I mean, kind of give you credit. It was 90 degrees out. It was hot. Yep. You were taking kind of a back road. You weren't really on the major highways. Started late. You're kind of, yeah, you started late. And, and, and so that was kind of your problem. I mean, kind of the things is that it was just really hot, you know, but like you said, you got in a major, once you got on the highway, you started feeling better because you got airflow going. Yeah, the side roads, it was really hot that day. So, you know, riding through the side roads of North Carolina, heading up there was, that was pretty brutal. And then in Virginia, especially that last little pull up over the mountain before I finally got to 81, that that about did me in. That was really hot. So you don't like to ride at night? I do like to ride at night, but I mean, it's the kind of thing after you've ridden all day, like how far into the dark do you want to ride? Yeah, that's when you start getting drowsy. Yeah, it's like I've been on the bike all day. I'm hot, you know, I'm beat up. And I had, you know, by sundown, I had reached a place I was familiar with. It's a place I'd stayed before. I knew the hotel, good food, good beer. You know, it's four stars, Ted, right? So (laughs) (laughs) it's perfect. (laughs) Anything less than two and you're camping. (laughs) You might as well be. Nice. I have one more tip for route planning. The best tool that I have ever discovered was Street View in Google Maps. Mm. Yes, indeed. If you're if you're unsure about what a particular road is like, by all means, go to Google Maps and do Street View, and you look at that, and you'll get a great idea of what the driving conditions are in that particular area. You might find that look. This looks like a great route, but when you do Street View, you find that it's a very crowded road. There's strip malls on both sides, and it's nuts. So I use that a mm-hmm. lot. Hmm. All right. That's a good, that's a good one. And, and Rico and I have used that for some of the, the nice roads in North Carolina, cause we'll see the squiggles on the map and it's like, Ooh, how, how good really is this? And then you'll get down on the street view and you're like, Oh yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go get this road. <laughs> we gotta go try that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, well, thanks for the tips. I mean, that, we're kind of setting off on a couple long rides this year. And as I know, the motorcycle men are doing the same thing. So oh, yeah. I thought it'd just be a good chance to share some of these with the listeners. Great. All right. Well, since you're a Harley man, mm-hmm. Harley has announced a new bike. Yeah. Based on the Sportster platform. And they're calling this one the Roadster. Oh, baby. I, I take it daddy likes. Oh, my God. I want one so bad. Now you had a Sportster, right? I did at one I point. I, I, I miss it. What was what was it? It was a, a 94, 1994, 883 uh, XL Hugger. That was great. Mm. I uh, it, it, it is a long story behind it, but basically, I got the bike for nothing, and it only had sixteen hundred miles on it when I got it. And I got it in wow. I got it. I got it in two thousand four from the original owner. Very nice. Yeah, and uh, now as a hugger, how tall are you? Uh, I am six feet tall, and I have a thirty-six inch inseam. So that's yeah, that's that's a lot for a bike like that, isn't it? You were not uh, cramped. Hey, uh, no, you know what? I tell you what, the bike was really comfortable because what I did was I <laughs> it had buckhorns on it, and oh, you, I, I hated buckhorns so much. I felt like I, I felt like the I was like holding them. The, the bar my the grips right next to my chest i hated them so i took them off and i put drag bars on and because i've got these long monkey arms 
it, it worked out perfect. The only thing the bike did not have was forward controls. Yeah, I was going to ask at at that height, you know, if it had forward controls, it's probably tolerable. But they were mids. They were mids. Holy cow! Yeah. So I was, uh, but despite that, I was I was comfortable. It was a comfortable bike to ride. Nice. So when I saw this Roadster, when I first saw that, my eyes got all big and all. And um, I, I I suspect that if I had this, I would never ride the Heritage again. Well, now this is not going to be your long hauler, though. No, well, uh, no, but I m- never know. I'm I'm stupid in that way. I, I guess you know you can you can fit a lot in a backpack because before I bought any luggage for the deuce, that's what I did. I'm, you're be amazed at how much stuff you can shove in a backpack. Oh yeah, but wouldn't that wear on your back? No, you kind of le- I kind of let the straps down, so the bag is kind of sitting on the seat. <laughs> exactly, so it yeah. sits on the seat behind you. I've done that, so you're not holding it up. It's just. The straps just keep it from falling off the bike, really. But this bike is great, the the, the Roadster. They they did a fantastic job with this. Now, when I first look at it, I, I was not thinking Cafe Racer. Now, the website says the new Roadster motorcycle combines stoplight to stoplight power, agility, and garage-built custom style to shatter every mold. Okay, so they're not really saying Cafe Racer, but... You know, that the cutoff fender in the back, it's kind of going in that direction. You know, the bars, you know, drag bars, things like that. But to me, this looks more performance. They got the inverted shocks, dual yeah, brake calibers. They even raise the uh, ground clearance. Your usual Harley uh, Sportster is usually like 5.2. Yeah. Yeah. This one is 6. So they brought it up. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but they did bring it up. You can see it in the back. So I bet this ride's nice, too. Oh, yeah. Probably loud. So you're sold, Rico. Just do anything for you, or are you just like yawning over there? Well, no, no. I'm actually looking at it as you guys kind of spew all over it <laughs> as we wipe the monitors off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, geez, these guys. But yeah, I, I'm guys. digging it with with the um, the 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 breather, the side angle breather on it. What do you call that? The big breather or whatever? Yeah, the air. The, what is called? That's, that's the uh, air filter. Air filter. Yeah, I like it. I like. The, in- the air intake. I like that, how it's coming out the side there. I don't know how I like the peanut or teardrop tank. Yeah. It's kind of square for me. Yeah. Uh, in typical Sportster fashion, it's it, it's actually a little larger than usual. It's 3.3 gallons, which is... Oh, to get you to stop like the stop Generous. Like, <laughs> no. I mean, at 55 miles to a gallon, you're going you're gonna to get some good mileage out of it. But Rico, that... That heavy breather or whatever they call it, that's going to be an accessory. That's not going to be a stock air cleaner. Yeah. So if you're looking at that red one. Yeah, looking at the red one, exactly. Yeah, that's going to be an accessory piece. If you go back one, that, that'll that be the stock air air cleaner cover. Just kind of an oval where the air actually comes in Ooh. at the bottom. If you look at the the bottom of it, like kind of comes out that. flat. No, a little I don't like slant. That. Yeah. Yeah. You got to add a little bit more style to that for me. Because those heavy breathers are like 500 bucks. So, you know, yeah. are they? Yeah, really? Harley's going to make yep. some bank on that. I'll tell you what, it does. So that's how they make their money the now off the parts. Mm-hmm. Somebody go. Sorry. I <laughs> said <laughs> so that's how Harley's making their money off the parts. That's not true. Come on. We, we've looked through the financial results. We've gone over well, this. I'm just saying, okay. The, <laughs> the heavy, the, the heavy breather is, is uh three forty nine. Okay. That's, not, that's better. It's not. All right. That, I can deal with that. Hey, let's back it. up for a second. Yeah. Harley makes some money off of, 
of off the equipment, right? Five hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. HD. Hundred dollars. Hey, Rich, how's that windshield doing? <laughs> that was also five hundred dollars. That was actually and, five hundred and one dollars plus some sense. And 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 where's it now, Rich? Right now, it's on the floor of my garage, just inches from the front of the car. <laughs> and why is it there, Rich? Because I'm hoping that my wife comes home someday and runs it over, and then I can throw it in the trash. Nice. They won't take it back? They said, have you had it too long? Yeah, I was, it was way beyond the date when I thought about taking it back. Oh, okay. Craigslist, eBay, get rid of it. Hey, wait, Rich, okay. what, kind of, what kind of windshield is it? Okay, well, it, it's for a deuce, which automatically oh. means that it's weird and unique. And fits nothing except just like you are. Oh, okay. So I said that wouldn't work for me. You know, I stopped getting the Harley parts catalog because I got tired of reading, looking at the soft tail section, every part that I looked at. It's like, oh, this would be cool on the bike. And you're reading through, and it's like everything except FXSTD. I was like, I I literally just stopped looking for parts after a while because Harley only made just a couple things for the deuce, and that was it. Everything else didn't fit. That sucks. I'm sorry. So this is the only windshield available from Harley for Deuce. It's crappy. Yeah, and it's terrible. <laughs> Damn, those sons of beep, But you know, beep, the, beep, the, beep. the chrome hardware looks amazing on the floor. <laughs> if that's worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh. Anyway. All right. Moving on. So yeah, I, I like the Roadster. I'd I'm r- sold. I'd ride the heck out of this thing. It's... Oh yeah, it looks mean. I'm sure it's fast. The 1200 Sportster is a quick bike, and I, I really hate when people say that the Sportster is a beginner's bike because they are fast, especially the 1200. That's great. Oh my god, I'll have to ride it. We'll ride it before I pass. Before I pass judgment on it. (laughs) Too too funny. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get Ted's opinion on a couple of other more bikes. But go ahead. Actually, oh, I'm sorry. Before we do that. A patron of the show, Marcus, sent us a link to an interesting Harley and what he thought, this is kind of how Harley should have done a Cafe Racer style. So, Ted, have a peek at that link. Yes, as a matter of fact, I have taken a look at that. What do you think of that? Well, it looks like they took a perfectly good Sportster. Oh, no. And and, and butchered it. Oh, oh, you don't like the cafes, huh? I do. You know what? Because it, it's it, they they, and I, I like that the finished product is really cool. It's it's pretty. It's it's great. But it's um, I'd rather have the I'd rather have the Roadster. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'll describe it for the listeners, and, and we'll put a link in the show notes. But this is a bike built by Red Max Speed Shop, and basically a you know a base Sportster, but the tank and fender is completely Cafe Racer, and it looks. Oh, yeah. It looks cool. Like pure British style. I like it. I mean, as a like package, it. the way they did this, I like it. The brown seat, the, even the studs on it, which I'm usually not a fan of on the seat, and that green paint. I'm a brown stud. I think it's great. Yeah, Rico's a brown stud, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> How many episodes have you been waiting to use that one? <laughs> oh, a long 43. 43. <laughs> Every week, I'm just waiting for him to say brown stud. <laughs> oh, please say something uh, so I can use that word. <laughs> please. Princess. Oh, it's hot down here. 
<laughs> oh, so yeah, they, take a look at that bike. I think they did a great job. Ted doesn't like it, but hey, he doesn't get a vote. I uh, got a caferacersunited.com. It's pretty cool. And if you scroll down, there's another project that you should check out. It is called, let me see if I can get the right name, but there's one with a woman on it doing a crazy burnout. But yeah, anyway, check out that bike and scroll down. There's tons of cool looking bikes on this, on this website. Yeah. She's got thick thighs. Yep. (laughs) Yummy. And thanks Marcus for sending us that. Appreciate it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Right. What bike? (laughs) All right, Ted, are you in the market for a bike? Uh, I'm always in the market for a bike. I just don't have the finances for it, but, but go on. Okay. Well, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm in the market, but I I really want a new one, and I've looked. So do I. I've looked at a bunch of, <laughs> we'll call them baggers for now. I I don't know that I want the full on touring bike like an Ultra or a Roadmaster, but this Flying Fortress concept from Moto Guzzi has really got me going. And this is going to be a production bike. So what do you think of that one as a bagger alternative from Italy? Um, you're you're asking for my opinion. Of course. Okay. Uh. In typical Moto Guzzi fashion, uh, they got the cylinder head sticking way out. Okay. That's one thing. But painted red. Come on. And they got it painted red so you can see it. Okay. <laughs> um, now, with regard to, as far as it goes for the Flying Fortress, I, here's a, the, my first sight of it. The first thing that popped into my head was, is that, and I'm sorry, but if Batman was going to buy a bike, yeah, it would be this one. Okay, I'm still waiting. Because it looks like a Batman bike. It's got the, every aspect of the fairing is Batwing. Harley Davidson has nothing on them with this. Yeah, they completely nailed the quote Batwing. You, you got Absolutely. that one. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, ha- I, I really know very little about Moto Guzzi's aside from, you know, the, some of their distinctive features that their bikes have. Uh, they do have a huge cruiser line. That much I do know. And, you know, the California is one of them. The California is actually a pretty nice looking bike. Yep. Uh, but uh, again, I, I, I can't really say it's a, it's a great bike. It, it, I think it's ugly as sin, but that's just my. Oh, just a, man. You, you, don't start crying. Don't start uh, crying. <laughs> you cut me deep. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it, to me, it works on a, on a bunch of levels. Like you said, the fairing nailed it. The red oh, yeah. valve covers nailed it. And just kind of the the bad boy style, I think, is there. Plus the carbon fiber, I, I really do like carbon fiber. So but the fairing is uh, the fairing in the bags are all carbon fiber. Yeah, they are. And the right. fender, yeah, there's a lot of carbon fiber in this thing. Yep. Kidding. Even the wheels, apparently. I just wish there was some stats available to see exactly what this bike is made up of. Well, for a preview, Mister Hogan has ridden the California with the same mm-hmm. engine oh, this is based on, and I think he didn't stop smiling for like four days. Oh, it, it's a monster. <laughs> it is a total monster. How big is it? That's all I can say. It's a monster between your legs. Really? Hmm. Yeah. It, it is like, it's scary fast. That's, you know, that's the thing about it. It is stupid fast. Scary. I think the insane button is on this bike somewhere. <laughs> and and ludicrous. It's the ludicrous button. It's got ludicrous speed, right? And then it turns yeah. plaid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That The carbon fiber goes plaid. When you get it up to top speed. <laughs> hey, Rico, do you know what the horsepower is on that? Uh, off the top of my head, no. We'll have to rely on John's uh, input on that one. 
Well, they they haven't announced it for this bike. You'd have to go to the California. Yeah, so let's look at the California. To get a let's sense. Switch over. Hold on. It's somewhere north of 100. I don't remember exactly. Really? Wow. Getting there. But it's a 1380cc engine. Okay. In the California, they, they call it a 1400. Right. It's around, I think the California is around 700 pounds. It's not light. Oh, Working on it. Not as heavy as a, a so an old California 1400 is 1380cc. Actually, it says 96 horses. Really? And 120 newton meters of torque, but I don't know what that converts to uh, foot pounds. Yeah, yeah. So maximum oh. pound is 95 on the 1400 touring. Is that all it is? I swear it was more than that, especially in velocity mode. All the 95 pounds yeah. on the torque. Wow. Yeah. The the, uh, the ultra is 104. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, but the ultra weighs 2,100 pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weight of the uh, fortress? Do we know that? We don't know yet. Uh, yeah. No details yet. They're supposed to be announcing it in Sturgis this year. And we're all going to Sturgis, right? That would be cool, wouldn't it? Oh, I, would, I would go if I had somebody go with me. I would definitely ride there. I would ride. Yeah, I want to ride. I just, I'm, I'm just so not down with the trailering thing. That's what I'm we got to do is we got to meet in the middle and all go in the same time. Let's go. I'm all about it. Let's do it. I want to drive up. To, I want, I need to drive up to see you to, to Ohio. Yeah, I will come. You know, I, I have family in Cleveland, Ohio, so that's you know, what's another eight hours? <laughs> <laughs> eight hours is what it is. Yeah, eight more hours. Yeah. yeah. What'd you say, John? Seven hundred twenty pounds. Seven forty-two. Seven forty-two. That's, that's the California, right? Yeah, the California fourteen hundred touring. Wow, it's not too bad. Yeah, see, about two hundred pounds, about a hundred, maybe one hundred fifty pounds lighter. Yeah, the Flying Fortress, I would think, with all that carbon fiber, it it should get down around seven hundred. Oh yeah, maybe even less. I don't know. I just I thought it was an interesting alternative. You know, while we're kind of gooing and gone over baggers, so I, I thought you know Guzzi's uh, take on it was pretty neat. I'm just a little surprised yeah. about the uh, ground clearance on the uh, Flying Fortress. It looks a little tall. Yeah, in certain angles, it it sure does. I guess we could lower it. Well, but then it's going to ride like a street glide. If right. Lower it. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. Yeah, and the way they and the way they got the motor set up, when you're sitting there at idle, it just kind of shimmies back and forth like a like a stock car motor, like side to side. It's, yeah, it's just wow. it's just like got some kind of vibration built into this thing, which made it just seem like a bad. But once you get over like two thousand or so RPMs, it's it's smooth as butter, and it's like silky smooth throughout the, all the gears and everything. So it's a it was a blast to ride. The only thing was, you know, when you're downshifting, you got the clutch in, and you're kind of approaching a current, a turn or whatever, the motor will start to shimmy, you know, because you <laughs> you've pulled in the clutch, it kind of goes back in that that rock and roll mode, that, yeah, you know, in the rock and roll and aspect and it's a little unnerving when you first experience it but once you know the behavior of the bike i guess you'll get used to it but that was you know that was something that kind of took me off guard for the you know being on it for the first time so we'll see i mean the the dealer we had one of the guys from the dealership um from our local dealer here and he came on and talked about the bike and you know he was saying that that shimmy was programmed in there because of kind of like customer feedback 
you know, people said the motor was really too smooth and it needed a little more character. So they just programmed it into the, the mapping. Now, also, um, Motor Guzzi has that V9. Kind of looks like your Roadster. A little bit, yeah. It's in that family. Yeah. yeah. Got a better looking gas tank, I think. So we'll see. It's going to be a while bef- before we get to ride that, though. Either one of them. That's true. Yeah. But now another bike I want your opinion on, and we are going to ride this in June because one of the few places in the country they're coming with a, a demo day is Ducati's X Deval. Oh, yeah. Now, yes, or the regular one? Well, it's it's X. the X Deval demo tour. It's going to come to the dealer in town here. And I don't know if they're going to have the S or not. But so So Rico is beside himself on this thing. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm just all over the dashboard right now. And I've heard, just, oh, I've heard Ted, I've heard you and the boys talk about this bike, and you guys didn't really know what to make of it. But basically, think Power Cruiser from Ducati, a little bit like a V-Rod, but... Yes. A-A-A now. Yeah, oh, I like out. it better. Yeah, Sty- Styling-wise, this is the ticket. <laughs> But this is going to eat the V-Rod's lunch. I'm sorry. Well, I got to tell you what. I, 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 and I had the opportunity. I went to the IMS show in New York, and I had the opportunity to sit on this bike. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, my proportions are all out of whack, and I'm a monkey. Uh, the bike is too small for me. The oh. cockpit is very short. Okay. Okay. But I will say this, though. It, it's a really, it's a good-looking bike. And as shallow as that seems, I'm all about how a bike looks first. Right. And the bike does look great. Um, it's got that big 240 in the rear, which I like. I like that big tire in the back. But you're not carving corners with this thing. Apparently you are. They got oh, some think so? crazy lean angle on it. That was their whole premise. Yeah. It does. As a oh, cruiser that, that handles. And this thing is sporting a little over 150 horsepower too. So yeah, it'll clean anybody's clock. Yeah, well, and I'll give give everyone the backstory. So Ted is just bananas over the V rod, yeah, and has been trying to get one. So I thought I'd bring up this bike and kind of get him going. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> Darn you! Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm a I'm a whole V rod guy, and I, I will get one eventually. That's gonna that's my uh, that's my dream bike. But the Textival is nice. It's got if I think if I think if the reach was a little better, I mean, I would probably have to change out the bars or something if I was mm-hmm. to ride the Xval, But it's it looks like it's too upright for me. Yeah, and you're definitely not putting any bags on this thing. No, no, no. Except maybe under your eyes. <laughs> and the backpack. <laughs> right, yeah, and a backpack. Which will get eaten by that monster rear tire. Yeah. So, maximum lean angle is 40 degrees. <laughs> That's insane. That's just insane. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Nuts. That's bananas. So we'll tell you about it. We're gonna we're gonna ride it in June. We'll report back. June you're gonna ride it, huh? Yeah, June is the the date. All right. We're gonna we're gonna wait for that. Now as as a Harley guy, I've often pondered this and I don't know if this ponder away crosses your mind at all. Why does Harley not make a touring bike out of the V Rod motor? That just seems like a layup to me. Um doesn't it? You know, I've I've inquired that with um, their product guy. When I was at IMS, I was uh, prodding him for some answers, and all he kept saying to me, "I cannot, uh, <laughs> I, I cannot tell you anything about where, what we're talking about, what we're doing, what we're thinking about doing, or any future models or current models." I was like, "So what can you tell me?" But you're absolutely right. This is uh, it's a great motor. Uh, it's got a lot of giddy up. 
but this is something that they just, I don't know why they're not doing it. Yeah. Who knows? Why aren't they doing a lot of things? Well, and there's another no brainer to me. Like you, you ride a soft tail as do I. So we, we are not subject to all the rock and roll of the A motors. Right. So that was the first thing that came to mind when I rode the street glide. I was like, why do they not put the B motor in this chassis? Like, duh. You know, just comparing the two bikes, like my brother has the, uh, he has the electric glide and yeah. the vibration on his bike is out of this world. Yep. At, an, at an idle, it is, it's unfathomable how much vibration there is at an idle on those bikes. I am, su- I'm surprised. He, my brother's got a GPS and I'm surprised it doesn't fling it off the handlebars. But as you know, a, a soft tail models, there's like zero vibration whatsoever. Well, I think that's what caused Eat Sleep Ride to think that I crashed. <laughs> All the vibration at an idol. Good lord! <laughs> so no, I'm just sitting still at a traffic light. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had two false alerts on that trip, so that was that was a bad day. No kidding! Wow. Yeah. Yikes! But that that doesn't discourage me from the app, though. And it, I, I did want to mention that because we put it in the show opener. But um, you know, Rico and I have had some false alerts lately. But the, <laughs> the main message there is. <laughs> Easy, easy. <laughs> you know, it's just just let let them know he's not pregnant. <laughs> yeah, let the guys know if you do have a false alert. The the crew at Eat Sleep Ride they're they're fantastic and they're working as hard as they can. Just you know, if you get one of those, report it, and they're working on it. Crash light protection. Now, how does that work? What do you mean in terms of the alert? Or well, how does the crash light work? For example, uh, what would cause it aside from the obvious you're actually crashing but what would cause it to go off what's what what does it require what sort of action does it require? is it um is it uh g-force related is that what that's, that's what yeah it, they're using a lot of sensors in the phone to, to sort of to try to distinguish the forces between a crash and sort of regular riding forces right so when we had alex on here he's the the head developer there and, and co-founder or three-way co-founder. I'm trying to remember. I remember that. Yeah. But, but that's what he was saying is they spent a lot of time testing, you know, poking or putting in a lot of ride data, like a lot of normal riding data with different kinds of bikes, different kinds of riders. But you know, at the end of the day, it's math, it's an algorithm. So it doesn't work for every situation. And it, it seems that the cruisers, you know, the big V twins are maybe a little more susceptible to these false alerts. And maybe because of the vibration, like I said, I had two on the street glide and I've only ever had one on the soft tail in the, in the whole time I've, I've used it for over a year now. Wow. So I think there's something to be said there for the vibration. And I'm, I'm thinking too, Rico, that massive hole that we hit in the mountains, that might've been what set off the first one. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what would, what could have set mine off. So I, I don't recall hitting any big bumps or anything. So. I'll be curious to find out. I emailed uh, Alex and Marina. I uh, just kind of let them know both separately. Just like, hey, uh, I, me, I just kind of referenced yours uh, when we rode, and I just mentioned mine. I was like, normally this would have freaked my wife out, but that day she just happened to be with me, and and I told her, I said, even Rich, I called. you know, he called <laughs> me like, yeah, it's like, oh my god, you're all right. I know you guys just went out, so you know that's a little uneasy, and you know I would hate for anybody to not be able to reach me if I'm just out cruising and not seeing the phone, yep. you know, click on or whatever, and just be just in all upset because they think something may have happened. So 
they rest assured they they told me that um they got people working on it there's a small subset of people that are experienced this and they're they're working on it and luckily alex said he's not one of those people that are working on it <laughs> so yeah they got his best, their best people working on it so it's it's pretty funny so he he was kind of uh jokingly saying that yep uh, they got it under control and, and uh, there'll be an update pretty soon to the application to fix it. Cool. Yeah. And if you're, if you're using eat, sleep, ride, the, the email address for them is feedback at eat, sleep, ride.com. But if you're in the app itself, there's a, a link in there that says support and it, it automatically launches an email to the right people. And it, and it includes like, you know, your phone model and, you know, it includes some important information. And then if they need more, you know, they'll, they'll show you how to download your, which is pretty cool. I'll show you how to download your raw ride data and send it to them. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm not discouraged at all. I mean, it is upsetting to get the false alert, but at the same time, I know they're working on it. So nice. And I, and I learned something Rico about crash light with yours. What'd you learn? The second alert, once you cancel it, I didn't realize that you could cancel the alert after it went off. Yeah. I thought once it went out into the ether, that was it. It just was like blasting everybody. But I I got the text and the phone call and then I was working on putting the kids in the tub and kind of getting them done. I was like, okay, well, Rico crashed. That sucks. Um, I'll have to get back to him. No, (laughs) 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 No, I I was actually like, I I was actually going to just stop right there and call him, but I was like, all right, let me just finish this up and, and then I'll, I'll go see what's going on. And then just as I was calling him, I got the second alert saying he's okay. He canceled the alert. So that was cool. I thought that was a really neat feature. So if you get an alert, you know, maybe wait a minute. <laughs> wait for the cancel. And, and like I told my wife, I'm like, just check in. Like, is it going to kill you to call and just see if I'm all right? right. Even if it's a false alert. Right. Just right. see how we're doing. Exactly. Hmm. All right. That's all I got for that one. <laughs> all right, John, how are we doing on time? We got time for a U-turn? Hit it. It's been hit. All right, one quick U-turn topic here, and this sort of goes back to our helmet episode that we had, or our, sorry, our helmet tech episode, and I was always interested to get different riders' opinions on just tech in general on a motorcycle. So I landed on an article here, sunmotorcycle.com, And they're saying that Honda has patented a blind spot monitor system for motorcycles. So, so we'll start with Ted, just in general, tech and a bike. Do you care? Don't care? As you know, the motorcycle is simply it's rider and bike. It's, it's the, it's the joining of man and machine. And I think when you start adding things like this, uh, you're taking away from the experience a little bit. It's called Farkles. Uh, the more Farkles you got, the more it takes away from your thing. You know, I don't need something else telling me, look, you can't change lanes. You know what? I got those convex mirrors on my mirrors, so yeah. I can see what's next to me. I don't need uh, another electronic device on my bike that can go wrong um, to tell me that, no, you can't change lanes yet. I know that. I got something next to me. So, so, so not don't. only are you not interested, if this was on the bike, that's off the list for you. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yep. All right. But I just thought it was interesting technology. I mean, I'm I'm also oh, a techie. Is. I have more gadgets than I probably any one man should have. But on my motorcycle, no, I want none of it. Absolutely not. Except ABS. I'd like to have ABS. <laughs> and a phone charger. And a phone charger. And a phone charger. Yeah. 
phone charger on your bike. Uh, so what? What do you? Th- what about you, Rico? I know you're also a techie at heart. Would you, you care about any of this on a bike, or is this just? Is this kind of another solution looking for a problem? Yeah, I I don't need it on my motorcycle. I'm already looking next to me, and I'm already, I already can pretty much gauge how fast I need to go to get in front of some butthead and, and ch- change lanes quickly or, or not change lanes. So I, I, I don't need this. Sorry that they had to go and patent this thing. I think yeah. it's kind of stupid, really. Okay. Especially on a bike. On a car, maybe, yeah, look, you know, for bikes. You know, bike safety on a car, I can see why this would be handy. But on a bike, uh, it's not needed. I will pay, play devil's advocate for just one second, and then we'll move on. Please do. Okay, devil. Would you put this on a bike for Wendy? No. Nope. No? Okay. Nope. Curious? Just curious? Rico's opinion on this whole thing comes to, comes from a guy who has power locks on his cases. Oh, yeah. That's good right. point. Good point. Yep. <laughs> I'm in the Cadillac Mac Daddy. I actually, it's a Lincoln. No, yeah, it's not a Cadillac. You got the power windshield also? I do. Oh, jeez. I do. I love that thing. Did you get the zero clearance refrigerator with it? I didn't, but that is an add-on I can add on later. There's an ice maker in the right saddlebag. <laughs> there is. For the for the umbrella drinks. <laughs> and the beer tap on the left one, right? Yeah, for, exactly. for me. <laughs> Hey Rico, I don't I don't have any um, luggage I want to put in your bike, but could, could we put a small keg in there, like a little corny keg? Yep, <laughs> it'll fit. It'll fit. We should do that for Barber. We should um, take some of my homebrew in like those two gallon kegs. Oh, you brew your own beer? I do. Yeah, once in a while. I haven't in a while, but I have in the past. Let's say that that's a more accurate statement. He's been slacking on me. Yeah, yeah, slacking. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's kind of what I thought. I I was sort of the same thing. I was like, yeah, this is more stuff we don't need. And like I said, I made the statement before, like, this is just a solution looking for a problem. So, and I don't think we need this on cars either. If people learn how to drive and pay attention, we wouldn't need any of it. Well, you take their cell phones out of their hands and maybe. There you go. That's not going to happen. We're going to get autonomous cars before we get cell phones out of cars. Yeah. All right. Moving on before we descend into somewhere we don't want to be. It's going to happen. John, we got any events coming up? We do, Rich. We have a couple coming up. Okay. What are they? Did you make it to the car show? Did not. Too busy. What happened? Missed it. Well, we got some victory demo rides coming up on May 14th and 15th. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm, I know your brother, Ted, is going to be all over us for that. Once we come back from the victory ride again. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to be a, he's going to become a traitor. You think he's going to convert? You think he would do it? Cause John, John doesn't think I'll pull the trigger. He doesn't think I'll do it. Rich will never p- get rid of the Harley. Never. He may not get rid of it, but I'm sure he'll add to it. He'll add nope. to the, uh, no, you don't think so. Nope. Do we, do we, do we have a, do we have a wager here? Oh, the, uh, oh. wife has locked it down. I don't think he'll get another bike. <laughs> That's right. There is that little element we forgot about. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Rich. Yeah. Tim, actually, my brother, Tim, he was actually looking at the victory first before he got the uh, electric light. Makes sense. All right, John, what else? Did he succumb to peer pressure? No, actually, he just saw this deal uh, online and he just grabbed it. 
Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Tough crowd. As you mentioned earlier, Rich, we got the Ducati x demo in June that you guys will be hitting to. Can't wait. That'll be nice. And, and then, if we get everything ducks lined up in a row, Bobby. which I've already, already got the route planned out from Charlotte to Barber. Very nice. Way to be on top of it, TD. And uh, so that's in October on 26th, or first weekend in October, uh, the 7th, I think. First weekend. So for the ride back, I just, uh, you know, ping uh, while we're sitting here talking, I sent an email off to Kevin asking for some maybe routes leaving Alabama. Instead of, yeah, instead of just the highway. Good deal. Yeah. So we got options coming back. And uh, as I sent Rico the text today, or you guys the text, and said, hey, I got the plan. He says, got multiple routes. I'm like, nope, only one. Good deal. But I mean, there's like you, like we talked about, I mean, there is ways I know to jump off if we have to. So. Okay. Plus we'll have the sentence too. So if we want to throw an audible. We can do it easy. And uh, if we can get Ted to come down, Hey man, the more the merrier. It'll be a good time for sure. I mean, there's always the option of me just flying down. I could just do that. You could do that and you can jump on Rich's KLR and, and, and uh, I'll have to take a shower afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, um, our usual reminders here. Um, If you're enjoying the show and you want to keep it ad-free and receive generous rewards for your contribution, check out our donation page at loudpipes.net slash donate. And Patreon is our focus for an ongoing uh, support model, but there is a donation link there for one-time donations of any size, and they are greatly appreciated. Show notes, including links and images from this episode, can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 43 for this episode. And the best way to keep up with the show is to subscribe. On the right side of our website, you'll find links to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and now, as of this week, Google Play Music. And if you can't support the show monetarily, we understand. The next best thing to do is tell a friend or leave a star rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. If you feel it's less than five stars or you have questions or comments, John will answer them if you drop a note to feedback at rdubstudios.com or click on the feedback link on the website. And lastly, but most importantly, we encourage all of our listeners to check out Ted and his brothers at MotorcycleMen.us to hear what they're all about. Ted, thanks for joining us. This was a blast. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Rico, John, thanks for everything. And no problem, guys. Kickstands up, I guess. Thank you, John and Rico. It was great to be here, fellas. Come on, Rico. Don't leave us hanging. Chopina. What what was it? Chopina. This has been an R-Dub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.